Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Brad Hicks, your host for this spooky SLV podcast. This is episode three. I have uh, oh, three, four stories for you today. One from Mr. Pete Padilla called Mean Aunt. We'll start with that one. Back in the early 1940s, my mom lived in a small border town of Ortiz, Colorado. She had a bedridden aunt. She was in a place like the woman in Stephen King's Pet Cemetery, the one who lived under the stairs. My mom had nine sisters who were all tasked with helping the disabled aunt with bathing, etc., so she wouldn't get bed sores. However, the aunt was depressed and acted very mean and nasty towards the young female caretakers, the sisters. One day, my mom and her two other sisters told my grandma they would no longer assist the bedridden aunt. The aunt heard about the plan, and she told them during a social visit that when she died, she was going to scare them. Years later, my mom had two young babies and was ironing, watching TV, while the babies were both napping sound asleep. Suddenly, she heard the babies crying. So she put down the hot iron and went to check on her crying babies. As she walked down the hall toward the bedroom, she could hear the babies wailing. Yet as she pushed open the door, she found both babies sound asleep and silent. Puzzled, she quickly shut the door and returned to her ironing chores. A short time later, she again heard the babies crying. So, once again, she walked to go see what the crying was about. Again, as she opened the bedroom door, she discovered two babies sound asleep. This perplexed her. What was going on? She kept asking herself. The next day, she received a call from Ortiz, and the relative on the other end of the phone informed her that her bedridden aunt had died. My mom immediately inquires about the cause and time of death. The caller told my mom that her aunt had passed at roughly 3.30 p.m. the prior afternoon. A chill ran up my mom's spine. She remembered that was roughly the time she had heard her babies crying. As the news spread to the other sisters, one of the other aunts that had refused to help the disabled aunt said that about that time she heard knocking on the front room window of her apartment. But because the drapes were closed and the fact that she lived on the fifth floor of her apartment building, her curiosity got the best of her. And she went and opened the curtains to see who was knocking. She thought that perhaps it was a maintenance man cleaning the huge windows. When she opened the curtains, there was no one anywhere to be seen. Thinking it must have been a bird crashing in the window, she didn't think much about it. That is, until she heard the same knocking again a short time later. This time she waited and specifically heard knocking sounds. This was no bird. This time she hurried to the window, whisked open the curtains, only to discover that no one or no thing was anywhere near that window. In her fright, she remembered the time, roughly 3 to 4 p.m. The other sister who refused to help the bedridden on had moved to Leadville, Colorado. When the other stories were being told during a Thanksgiving get-together, she suddenly started sobbing. When the other sisters inquired as to why she suddenly crying, she related the following story. As she and her family were sitting eating, they heard the rack of piled firewood suddenly come crashing down, making a heck of a racket. My Uncle Q, surprised and concerned, ran to the garage to see what, if any, damage had resulted from a wall full of firewood that had come crashing down. But as my uncle opened the door, the stack of firewood was intact, piled high and in no way fallen. While sobbing, my aunt trembled out the words that has happened around 3.30 in the afternoon. Perhaps their disabled, bedridden aunt had kept her promise that, she, that when she died, she was going to scare those three nieces that had refused to help her. Pete, that's a great story. I really do like that. A little creepy and actually a little funny. It sounds like your aunt wasn't necessarily mean in the afterlife, but she had a good sense of humor. 
All right, next one I've got two stories from Sandy Martinez. One's rather short and the other one, not super short, but it's not super long either. Anyway, here we go. When I was a little girl, 1970 or so, I was about four to five years old. We lived in Manassa, Colorado. I remember waking up in the middle of the night to the sound of music in my room. The music had a tinny sound to it, almost music box quality, music box quality, but not as pretty. I looked around and there were what looked like bubbles about eight inches in diameter floating by the side of my bed. They looked like the bubbles you get when you swirl dish soap or blow bubbles from a kid's toy, you know, the swirling colors. They stayed on the same side of the bed, but would bounce around in the air. I don't know what happened, but I remember realizing my room was very dark and the bubbles were gone and there was a bright light outside of my bedroom window. I remember looking out the window and couldn't see anything because the light was so bright. Confusing, strange story, but I always wondered what it is. Excuse me, wondered what it was. Ghosts? Aliens? Who knows, but it wasn't anything normal. Number two. When I was in high school, early 1980s, we lived in a haunted house in Manassa, Colorado. Haunted? How did I know? Well, there was an empty room next to my bedroom, and there were nights where I would hear very loud banging coming from the room. Strange thing is, was I would strange thing was, excuse me, when I would go ask my brother Michael if he heard it or my parents and they were still sleeping or hadn't heard anything. It shocked me because it was so loud. Anyway, on these nights I would be in my bedroom studying or whatever and then the banging would start. I would try to ignore it but it would continue until I could get off until I would get off my bed and walk to the door. As soon as I would get to the door, it would completely stop. I would then go back to what I was doing. After going back and forth a couple of times or so, I would eventually open the door and go to the empty room. I would look inside and everything was as normal as could be. This went off and on for the years that we lived there. My parents' bedroom was at the end of the hall and their bed was set where they were laying down. They were facing the hall. My mother had two separate experiences where one time she saw what she thought was my stepfather coming down the hall towards the bedroom and then realized he was in the bed next to her. And when she looked back at the hall, the man was gone. She then had another experience where she woke up and thought she was looking at my stepfather going through their chest of drawers. She watched him for a few seconds and then again realized he was in bed with her. Both times, as soon as we realized it wasn't him, the spirit would disappear. One winter, we had frozen pipes. My stepfather climbed under the house to try to thaw them. Underneath, he found a headstone. A headstone? Good heavens. It belonged to a Civil War soldier. He brought it out from under there, and he and my mother had the intention of taking it to the cemetery to get it away from the house. It was during this time that I had a long-distance friend come into town and who came to the house to spend a few days with me. When she got there, I was gone and not going to be back until late that night, and my parents were headed to dinner. She was invited but was tired from traveling, so she stayed alone at the house. When my parents got back that evening, she was sitting on the couch scared to death. When they asked what was wrong, she told them that she'd gone out to the restroom, which was down the hall, and had come out and immediately got the impression that someone was standing behind her. She started walking towards the living room and felt him behind her the whole way. When she got to the couch and sat down, she looked the way she'd come, and there was a soldier in an old-fashioned uniform. You should have seen him. Then he was gone. My parents told her about the headstone they found, etc., and it definitely made it real. That weekend, they took the headstone to the cemetery and placed it inside the cemetery in the corner, hoping his spirit would at least find some peace. 
I got married soon after and my parents moved to a different place. Several years later, I was having a yard sale and this girl came by. It so happened that she lived in that apartment. She asked me, you used to live in the apartment I live in now, didn't you? Turned out, yes, it was the same apartment. She then asked me if I had ever had anything strange go on there. Yes, of course we had. She then went on to tell me there was a man ghost there, which, yes, we had been, which, yes, we knew he had been there. We had hoped that by moving the headstone, the spirit would follow. That was not the only thing he was looking for. I'm sorry, excuse me. Was that not the only thing he was looking for? We never found out. I had driven past that apartment over the years and looked at the windows, wondering if I would see his face, wondering if he was still in there. Those are good stories. I'm, and Sandy, thank you for sending me so many stories. <laughs> you sent me a bunch of them, and I'm definitely going to start uh, reading them off probably one or two per episode So, until we get through the whole thing. Again, Sandy, thank you. Okay, now we got the final story for the day. This is the one that when I was living in Monta Vista, I'd moved in with a couple friends and we had a couple things happen there. Nothing, well, <laughs> nothing too shocking, but just listen, you'll see. The Monta Vista Ghost House. We had just moved into the house in Monta Vista. It was right behind Altfields on Highway 160 at the curve. I moved in with two friends, Derek and Jimmy. We had taken over the lease from other friends who had to move. We had heard stories from the moving friends and the landlord. The landlord's stories involved her aunt that she lived with when she was a child in the house. Very strict and mean. As a child she could walk down the as a child she couldn't walk down the stairs from her room. She had to sit on the top step and scoot down gently to the next step, and so on. So as not to make any noise, or at least very little noise. This is one of her aunt's rules. We heard stories of noises coming from every room of the house before we moved in. Disembodied voices, doors slamming, eyes staring down from upstairs from the very room that would become my room. The first incident happened before I even completely unpacked. Jimmy and I were up in the room talking and joking around as we did. I was putting clothes up in my closet. I stopped for a few seconds to joke, joke about with Jimmy. And he was in the closet sort of hanging from the clothes rod. At the west end of the room was another room. The evil room, as we were told. The door always remained closed. We didn't store anything in there. We didn't use that room for anything. And as Jimmy and I were upstairs joking about uh, while I unpacked there, we were just a mere four feet from that door. As Jimmy hung like a big chimp from the clothes rod, we both looked at the door in time to see the door bow inward towards us when the noise hit. It sounded like someone kicked the door dead in the center to make us be quiet. We shut up and looked at each other, got up, ran downstairs, and stood at the bottom of the stairs, breathing hard and waiting for each other to say something. Neither of us spoke. <laughs> Jimmy grabbed his pistol, I grabbed a sword, and we went back upstairs as quietly as we could, not knowing if it was actually someone in the house who had gotten in while we were gone, because we'd both just gotten back. Um, we got to the door, and I slowly reached out my hand opened the door. At the time, we weren't sure if it was the ghost or if someone had actually in the house, as I stated. So yes, we were armed. I opened the door and jumped in ready to fight. It was the first time I had even thought of opening that door. The room was cold, and this was the middle of summer on the second floor of a house with no air conditioning. 
It should have been sweltering in that room, but it was freezing to me and Jimmy. There was no one in the room. There was no access to the room other than the door we entered. We decided to go to the town and worry about it later. <laughs> there were several more times unaccounted noises came from that room. I learned to yell at the sounds, act angry, and they stopped. The one thing that wouldn't stop were the eyes. Noises you could actually dismiss and write off as a house settling or temperature changes. Glowing eyes staring and blinking at you from dark doorways and disappearing when you went to investigate were a little harder to dismiss. One such night I was, and was one of the last nights I lived there, still makes me shiver. I was home alone after work because Jimmy and Derek were police and they were on duty. I had just made dinner and was sitting down to eat. My room overlooked the living room. I was walking back in from the kitchen and happened to look up to my doorway. I nearly dropped my dinner and did drop my soda. A pair of glowing eyes followed me to the base of the stairs. They were bluish white and sent chills to my very core. Without taking my eyes off of them, I set my food on the landing and started up the stairs. I could see the doorway the entire way up, and about halfway up the ice turned and headed towards the ghost room. I ran the rest of the way to try to catch whatever it was watching me. I quickly flipped on the room light and, while running to the door. I hit the door while turning the knob. It wouldn't open, like it was stuck. I turned the knob again and slammed my shoulder against it. It flung open like it opened from the inside, and I went sprawling and sliding into the room. Nothing there. No eyes. No person. No animal. Nothing. It was that night I decided to pack my things early. We were already being evicted because the landlord sold the place anyway. We were given plenty of time to move, but, you know, the sooner the better. That, ladies and gentlemen, are the stories for today. I hope you uh, enjoyed them. I know that last one with me, Jimmy, and Derek, that was... <laughs> and if anybody knows Derek, Derek Blackburn, he can probably tell you a few things, too. I don't know whether he will or not. I'd say ask Jimmy, but he passed away a few years ago, so can't ask him. Unless you want to do a seance and a Ouija board thing, which he'd get a kick out of anyway. He'd probably try to scare you. But that's all of them for tonight. Thanks. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to episode three. I uh, just wanted to let you know that I do have a support button or a sponsorship button kind of thing. Not really sponsorship. It's just support. It's like a Patreon button on my Spotify profile. Uh, it'll let you decide whether or not you want to uh, actually help support this podcast. And it's not terribly expensive. It is a monthly thing if you want, or you can do a one-time thing and cancel. Um, there are three different tiers. There's a $0.99, cents, $4.99, and $9.99, I do believe. So a buck, five bucks, and ten bucks, technically. Uh, that's all entirely up to you. Uh, supporting the podcast would help me get better equipment maybe some uh, software that I need to edit the podcast, make it a little clearer. Hell, maybe I could even get voice lessons. You never know. But anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Have a good night.